Welcome to another edition of... Are you shitting me? A podcast that dives into random topics that may surprise and educate you, and hopefully make you laugh along the way. At least that's our goal. I'm one of the hosts, Brett, seated next to me as always in Studio B. Hey, hey, Ron. <laughs> hey, hey, Brett. How you doing? Fantastic. How about you? Oh, you know, hanging in there. Yeah. Can't complain. Welcome to Studio B. Yeah. <laughs> Studio B. This is exciting. In the house. Yeah. Um, yeah, with us today is, uh, I, you know, I don't even know the best way to describe him. I didn't think far enough in advance here. Um, we got Len. Len. Len is joining us. Len, welcome. Thank you for that amazing introduction. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I didn't think far enough ahead. Uh, yeah. You feel so special now, right? I, yeah. <laughs> I don't know just how anyone's man beyond <laughs> beyond words. So tell us about yourself, Lynn. Well, I'm really excited to be here. I'm thrilled for the topic today, and I'm a high school administrator. Um, yeah, two wonderful twin girls who just turned nine, and uh, yeah, happily married. Good. Exciting, yeah. exciting stuff. Yeah, you mentioned the topic today. What is the topic today? We're going to talk about UFOs. Oh shit! UFOs? You mean UAPs? I yes, actually <laughs> yes. We can no longer use the term UFOs. You are correct. I like UFO better. Absolutely, makes you think of aliens and yeah, it rolls off the tongue better than UFO oh. than UAP. What does UAP stand for? Unidentified aerial phenomena. Yeah. Yeah. The, the government just recently reclassified that because they wanted to kind of get away from the alien thing, right? Is I think so. And I think it is maybe just meant to encompass more of like, these are things that we don't know what they are. Maybe they're just some technology from another government yeah. to encompass more of that kind of. Yeah, we'll definitely get into that Better technology. Better it. Right. Yeah, we'll get into the technology from other governments for sure a little bit today. Yeah. I, I didn't think we were going to get into it quite this fast, but I will just say it now. I don't understand the leap from... I don't know what that is in the sky to that must be an alien. Like, why does it have to be from another planet? Mm. It just seems like everybody just jumps to that. Is it because of movies or because? Yeah, I think the UFO, that label just implies aliens at this point, at least in our culture. And that's probably why they changed it to UAPs. Yeah, I guess I don't know. I mean, that's. Uh, yeah, question. maybe when people see something that's unexplainable, just be, you know, maybe the movie industry does have a large part of that in like making that jump when you see something in the sky you don't automatically think oh is that something from china spying on us i don't think it's chinese at all i think it's aliens <laughs> it's the u.s <laughs> government distracting us from something else May well there might be something to that yeah. too so before we get too much further into this i think uh len you brought us an episode beer i did i did bring a beer today this is from war pigs brewing which hmm. is actually a collaboration between Three Floyds and Mickler. Three Floyds, I believe, out of Indiana. And Mickler, actually, I believe, is out of Germany, but they do have some locations all over the place in California. So Yeah, there's some place over in Europe is where they... <laughs> this is Foggy Geezer. It is a hazy IPA. The description on here says super fruity and dank. <laughs> dank. What's the ABV on that? Oh, good question. Let's see if I can find it here. You need reading glasses? Put Not listed on here. <laughs> oh, we don't know. It is a mystery it ABV. Is, it is yes. off the charts. Off the charts. What's the beer up? Untapped. Thank you. So I'm going to look it up. I hate when they're not on their cans or their bottles. It's probably on there, but it's like probably very finely printed that you can't see it. Because I think it has to be on there, but maybe not. 
well, you know, not if it's imported. Maybe, I don't know. Yeah, I thought that was a thing. 6.8% ABV and 70 IBU. Oh, actually not as much as I... Aren't IPAs usually higher than that? Or maybe not. I could what, be wrong. Uh, ABV? Uh, oh, no. I mean, when it says dank, that's what I think. I think it's going to be super, like... I think it's going like, to be really punchy. Yeah, yeah. but 6.8 isn't too high at all. Well, it smells... Mm. Citrusy. Oh, I went straight to tasting. <laughs> <laughs> it definitely has a citrus... Um, oh, a little lighter. That's, I don't get dank out of this. This feels a little bit like, yeah, you write summary. Maybe like, you're mispronouncing it. Maybe it's Donka. <laughs> Donka. <laughs> Bitta. <laughs> like, this is almost like a lawn mowing kind of beer to Very me. much so. Very smooth. I, yeah. I've had this before. Definitely one of the few IPAs that I can actually tolerate. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it does have a little bit of a dank kind of at the back of the mouth feel a little bit as it's going down there, but that's very smooth. Yeah. I think the super fruity part of the description is definitely much closer yeah. to the true. I get that too, in both taste and smell, I think. Mm-hmm. What, what uh, is that grapefruit or is that, what do you think? It doesn't say on here, but I got some citrus. Could be grapefruit. Dragon fruit, passion fruit, something like that. Fruity of some sort. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Not bad. I, I, there's a description here, piney. Do you get? Mm, I get that. Uh, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. A little bit. You got more in the aroma than the taste? Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. back when I was in the Boy Scouts, we used to eat pine trees, so it definitely tastes like that. <sighs> used to wipe with pine needles. <laughs> <laughs> Not recommended. <laughs> well, you can make a pine needle tea. If you really? are stranded and it's got a ton of vitamin C in it, did you know? I did not know that, yes. really. You boil some water, pine needles in there. Learn that from Bear Grylls, so who knows if it's true or not. Interesting. Yeah, take that with it. <laughs> We talked about that at one point about Bear Grylls and yeah, yeah. Like the one like, the crevasse, the crevasse. Like, <laughs> dude, it's a ditch. <laughs> it's next to a highway, yeah, right, right by an Arby's. <laughs> yeah. There's a streetlight in the background, <laughs> right? Crevasse. That's funny. Nice. All right, so yeah, we're talking about aeronaut aeronautical. What is unidentified, unidentified. unidentified aerial phenomena? Unidentified aerial phenomenon. Yeah, I, I still like UFOs. Yeah. So if I call it UFO, forgive me, but I think we should just forget that. Just call it UFOs. I mean, that's what everyone knows them as. There you go. Have you ever seen a UFO? Yeah, I, I have. I think um, near Chicago suburbs. I was cruising with another guest that we've had on our show before, mm-hmm. Chuck. We were driving, and I don't know what it was. It looked like it was a helicopter towing some other something with a light on the end of it of this hmm. like tow rope, and it didn't look like it was towing another vessel or anything like that. But that's what it looked like. But it, in my memory, and you know, it's been a few years. Then they separated and went different directions. Now, who knows? It could have been planes doing approach to Midway or O'Hare right. or something. But right. it was one of those, like, the next day on the radio and whatnot, people were talking about it. Yeah, interesting. I mean, we it was just one of those, like, we both stopped. Like, what the fuck is that? Yeah, so, yeah. How about you? So I had, uh, this would have been probably a few months ago. <clears throat> I, I When I leave for work, it's pretty dark out in the morning. So on my drive to work, there's usually not a lot of cars. It's dark. So... One day I saw this, like, it looked like a giant star, like the brightest star that you've ever seen, probably times four or five. Mm -hmm. And there were some variants to the colors of it. And it was like definitely lower in the sky than a star. It looked a lot closer. And so I'm driving on the highway on my way to work. And this thing is like moving like 
fairly quickly. It's not like an airplane with a smooth trajectory. It's like popping all over a little bit. Interesting. And as I'm driving to work, I'm going, I'm going, and I'm tracking this thing. And I kind of get to a point where I'm like a little bit under it. And I'm like, ah, oh, son of a bitch, that's a drone. Oh, <laughs> oh <man>. really? <laughs> not a UFO. Oh. <laughs> I, I, for a while, I really thought, I'm like, this, like, I'm seeing something cool here. Like, this is amazing. Yeah. And, uh, how about you? I have. Oh? I have, yeah. Well, I don't know if I have, but I think I have, yes. So I used to live in the Philippines. Hey, if you didn't know what it was, it's a UFO. <laughs> Unidentified, phenomenon. <laughs> so I used to live in the Philippines when I was a kid. And actually, that's I'm going to start off with my first story on this one actually here too. So oh, right into it. It was very interesting. I lived in the Philippines from 86 to 89. And I remember we were, I was with, with my mom. We were driving back to our house. And from the Philippines, it was interesting because like we were on the base, but the housing was kind of up in the mountains. And the road up to there was super dark. Like you could pull off and just see there was no light pollution coming in at all. And all of a sudden we were driving and there was just, just like you said, like a bright light there. And it was like, a, it was odd colored. It was like a orangish kind of weird color. And it was just hovering there. And both of us were like, what is that? And it didn't look like, you know, we're on a military base. So I thought, is it a flare? Is it whatever else? But it wasn't. I know what a flare looks like. And it didn't have smoke trails coming out of it or whatever else. It was just weird. And then... I couldn't tell if it was close or far either. Like it was that kind of odd. It definitely stood out as weird. And it just drifted over past the trees and then it was gone. We could we didn't see anything else. But both of us, we stopped and looked at it. Like, what is that? We pulled over and looked. And at the time I was probably, I don't know, 12 or 13, somewhere around there. And I was obviously very into UFOs as kids are, you know? Oh, yeah. And I kept watching the newspaper and a couple of days later, there was an article in the newspaper about this UFO sighting in Australia that was this giant glowing orb. And so Wednesday, January 20th, 1988, at 2.45 in the morning, in Australia, this family had a UFO encounter. And this was a couple of days after I saw this thing. Who knows? It could be that. It could not. I like to think maybe it was, <laughs> you yeah. know, which is cool because I was purposely watching the news for it because I thought, did anyone else see this? And when it showed up, I thought, uh, okay, that's really interesting. So this family in Australia, their name was the, the Knowles family. They were driving from Perth to Western Australia. And apparently they saw this glowing object ahead that was, at first it was chasing a truck on the other side of the highway. And then it turned back around and came back over them and got right above their car, lifted the car up. Their description was it was a very eerie kind of thing. Like Their voices became distorted, almost like talking in slow motion and garbled and whatever else. And it picked the car up for a few minutes. Everything felt weird. And then it dropped with such a force, like the, the tires blew out. And the family jumped out of the car, goes and hides, and the light just took off. Uh, as it happens, Port Lincoln, there is where they were. They had crime scene investigators there for something else. They went to the police station and happened to have the crime scene investigators there as well. So they went and inspected the car. And I guess there was this, the car was covered with this dust material that was like burning shredded rubber consistency. They couldn't explain what it was and whatever else. The, there was a, the truck driver who had they had spotted earlier also reported having seen it. And here's what's cool. 50 miles away... Moments later, there's a tuna boat off the coast, and the crew reports that they saw this giant orange light hover over them, and that everything was weird. All of, the, all of a sudden, the voices became unintelligible and scrambled or whatever else. And there's no way they would have known anything about this thing. And so, 
Yeah. And I mean, this isn't like on social media. It's not like instant. Right. You know, oh, I saw this on Twitter or same uh, story. TikTok. Yeah. 50 miles away from each other. Exactly. Exactly. And no explanation for it and everything else. And so that's my UFO story. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. One of the things that I find interesting about these stories, and I know we all have a couple today, but there tend to be a lot located near military bases. Mm -hmm. And so I wonder, it makes me leery of some of the stories. It makes me consider, are there a lot because there's so many pilots flying so often that they're in the air a ton? Mm -hmm. Or is it that there's just some technology there that governments are trying out? Or is it a combination of both? It absolutely is, in my opinion. Aaron and I were talking about this last night. You hear a lot of like, oh, that wasn't a, a spaceship. That was a flare. Come on, like being or a weather rats, balloon. I've, yeah, right. Yeah, I've been <laughs> Chinese on, weather I've balloon. I've been near military bases. I know what a freaking flare looks like. Right. Don't tell me it's a flare. Right. Weather balloon. You, you hear that excuse all the time. And but, that, like it legit, it, it could be a weather balloon. I think people think, oh, weather balloon. It's going to be you know whatever thousand feet off the ground or whatever. And I could tell if it's a balloon. But you got to wonder to your point, Len. Like Area Fifty One, you see all these sightings and things. Is that because it's an active military base? Yeah, I mean, we we know through Freedom of Information Act and whatnot that B2 that's where, like, the stealth. U-2 was yeah. developed and, yeah, whatever, the, the stealth fighter. Yeah. Yeah, like, legit, those are being tested and flown out of there. And so, yeah, you may have seen a plane or something. It doesn't, again, doesn't mean it's a alien. Yeah. But we were talking about that, too. Like, maybe back in the day, Area 51 was where they were hiding Aliens so, and ships. Do you believe in UFOs, though? I guess maybe that's an well, like, uh, interesting question. Yeah, okay. Know? Just by itself, again, just because you don't know what it is, that's what makes it a UFO. Mm-hmm. It's un- unidentified. That's a UFO. Yeah. That's the whole point of it. Now, do I believe that there's alien life out there and they can maybe send ships to come visit us? Eh, I'm on the fence. Yeah, it's possible, I guess. I definitely believe there's alien life out there. I mean, with the, with so much of the, the discoveries we have job. going out there that are like, I mean, we're discovering new planets every single day. And it's such an interesting time in astronomy right now. But, you know, I definitely think there's got to be alien life. Out there. We can't be the only ones. Whether or not they can travel this far, uh, it's massive distances. So I don't yeah. know. With the vastness of the universe, it is a statistical improbability that we are the only living thing well but that's not to say that a living thing could be bacteria right or like a virus well it doesn't mean they get into spaceships or consciousness (laughs) or that type of thing and i think when we think about ufos that's the question is there are are there other conscious species that are visiting well and not only that are so far well that's it they're more advanced than us yeah i but i think that's to your point like the statistically with the vastness of the universe, what are the odds that they're picking Earth to, to come to, to check out? <laughs> right. Like, that of all the planets, that we, like you said, we're discovering more and more planets almost every day, it seems. And really, they just happen to pick Earth? Like, you know, though, think about this, though. Okay, let's say, let's say we were advanced enough to have that technology, and we picked up a radio signal. We're certainly... Just putting radio signals out there and sending signals, hey, we're here. It's not an improbability. You almost, you know, if I were thinking as an alien or species or whatever, sending out radio signals, you almost have to take a guess on what direction and what yeah. where you're going to go. And maybe sometimes it crosses it into where we are. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Just a fun little tidbit in case you guys didn't know. Jimmy Carter reported seeing a UFO yeah. before he was president. Down when he was in Georgia, like... uh 
1969, he reported seeing a UFO. Huh. Right on. Known as the Jimmy Carter UFO incident. Extravaganza. <laughs> Palooza. And hoedown. <laughs> yeah. All right, I'll go, I'll go with the next, the next story. Since we were just talking about military bases, there was a pilot named Ryan Graves, and I think this is called maybe like the Black Box UFO. Maybe that was the name of this. This happened in late 2013. He was obviously a Navy pilot, and so they did training exercises and flying all the time. And where this was taking place, the pilots kept seeing these objects on their radar after they received an upgrade to their aircraft. So there was some like technical upgrade, and then all of a sudden, there were all of these objects appearing on their radar. Hmm. They were always there every day as they did training exercises. So um, at one point, they're doing these training exercises and flying, and one of the objects went right between a formation of aircraft. And these objects are described as being a, a black cube in a, or a black or gray cube, and it was inside of a, tre- a clear translucent sphere such that the corners of the cube touched the sphere. And, hmm. and there were tons of these all over wherever they did these training exercises and they would move in between the aircraft at different points. So the highest probability case scenario is that these are some kind of highly classified weather balloons, you know, (laughs) weather (laughs) balloons. This is the prototype, the beta test for the weather balloons, but there were a number of them and there's still no known explanation that we know, but I know that this pilot has gone on to, talk quite a bit about this in the last few years and still there's no no explanation for it so interesting i always find it interesting you know like in movies and things like that there's always the one person who's kind of cuckoo and you're like okay yeah right you've seen aliens but i really do find it hard to discredit when you have military officials or government officials or just even just like police law enforcement people who are Really, I mean, anybody, school teachers or anybody, like, it's hard to really discredit people like that because it's just, these are educated people who are experiencing something. And it's not like they're just making stuff up. And I don't feel like people are just doing it for attention. But maybe that could be the case. Yeah, actually, I did speak with a uh, Air Force pilot uh, about this topic, and they are not willing to go on the record. But Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm like, first of all, have you seen a UFO? And the answer was no. But Mm -hmm. I know people who have mm-hmm. and your claim to have and i'm like is there a reluctancy for people to come forward with things that they've seen right i mean obviously not everything is on radar or caught with infrared or whatever but I said yeah especially back in the day right you know like you were a nut job if you were reporting that you saw something unidentified flying and and so yeah. if you want to continue your career and keep on flying you don't want to have a, a mental case against you, if you will. And so, yeah, you just keep it to yourself. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of those and hopefully more of those have come out. Some of these older ones. I mean, there was a, I don't have info in front of me, but there were like during world war two, there was a whole incident, like some bomber pilots actually did report. They all saw spheres and things like over battle areas. And I find that interesting. If we are being visited by intelligent life somewhere or from somewhere, you know, are they, causing or are they investigating us or i don't know well yeah 
why haven't they just said, hey, how you doing? You know, at this point. Or maybe they have and the government's hiding it, but well, I don't I think there's a lot of people out there that would say they, they are. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that also makes an assumption that there's no barrier in communication. Like mm-hmm. they may have a, their own language or system of communication that is completely separate and different from ours. And maybe there is no way to communicate I've, other than, you know. I've always thought that was interesting. You watching Star Trek or something and like, wow, every Everyone alien knows English. Knows English. <laughs> right. That's awesome. It's a universal language, man. <laughs> I don't, you guys are probably familiar with the Barney Hill and Benny, Betty Hill story, UFO abduction. It was no. like one of the one of the first ones. It was from 1961. It was a husband and wife team. They were in the Niagara Falls area of the United States, and okay. they they saw an object in the sky that they couldn't identify, and it kind of seemed to follow them. They were driving, and when they stopped to to watch this, there were humanoids visible through windows on the craft, according to their hmm. report. But they tried to flee, and when they came to later, they realized that their journey had, they had lost time, essentially, is what I'm trying to say. Mm. And they really didn't remember a whole lot about it. But then they went under, they were hypnotized, and both of them told similar stories, apparently, right. that uh, were about being abducted and probed. You know, probed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let the probing be Right. South Park with that one. <laughs> Yeah, so they were one of the first people to, to talk about being abducted. Right. Interesting. Yeah. Huh. But but it started with them seeing a UFO. Right. I mean, you also said 1961, and that really, obviously, that's maybe the start of when more of the conversation started. But you still have people have even said there are questionable, like, hieroglyphics. I was just like going to say that. Oh, all right. Mm-hmm. The, yeah, the I think it's Thule Papyrus. It's where scribes reported that the pharaoh had seen fiery disks floating over the skies. Hmm. Now, there's, a, I guess, some dispute over the legitimacy of these uh, uh, statements, but uh, yeah. Somebody, somebody's like, nope, he was duped. I'm like, duped by what? Who's- Weather balloons. Yeah, man. right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we got the pharaoh this time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that was like 1440 BC. Wow. Well, and some scientists, I'm not sure of their credentials on this, will claim that in our evolution, the way that we jumped from being apes to humans is that there was an alien species that visited us and helped us make that jump by giving us magic mushrooms. Oh. And it enlightened us. And that's how consciousness And then became. we banned them. <laughs> <laughs> no more enlightenment. Right. You've been enlightened but enough. You see these stories go back so far, and it's like, how much of this is just made up silliness versus how do you really make an objective. Right. Well, and also, how do we interpret cave paintings and things like that to go, oh, this has to be this, or versus just a sun or a bird, and or just a really poor artistic person who can't draw shit and draws as a circle when it should be a bird? Yeah. Right. I, <laughs> well, something to do that. I think that some, you've seen those UFO history channel, like the guy with the big hair, or what, I can't oh, yeah. remember his name. Aliens. I mean, <laughs> right? Like, some of it seems like a big stretch, but man, you look at some of those hieroglyphic whatever you look at those old cave things and yeah you're like i don't know what you were going for but yeah that kind of looks like whatever a helicopter like huh i don't know what it is i can't explain it yeah by the way i did i found it so it was the uss theodore roosevelt ufo incidents but i know that they've got a new name for it that was the navy 
when they released the video in the last year or two that some Navy pilots had seen these oh that footage that they yeah. released mm-hmm. you know it's that black and white gray yeah. video yeah, yeah like, what's it called the USS well the pilots were from the USS Theodore Roosevelt okay so, but yeah they've acknowledged that they're legit videos mm-hmm. there's some guy I, was, I don't I apologize I don't know who it was but I just Steve like, yeah was, Steve. Was, Joe he you know he was, he was like I can tell you right now I could debunk all of these. That was this. He's like, I know this is this plane, and they think it's going this fast, but it's not really going this fast. And even he can't debunk all of them, every video that comes across, because some of them you just can't tell. But some of those, he's like, yeah, that's another plane. So interesting enough. So there was, I have a story here about this guy. Uh, so early 1950s, he's an Air Force Lieutenant Colonel named Richard French. And his job, well, first of all, I'll give you some of his credentials here. So he threw 683 combat missions during his 27 years of service. He's got a Purple Heart, Silver Star, two Flying Crosses, 23 Air Medals. He passed away in 2014. But he was the lead investigator for Project Blue Book in the 1950s. His job was to basically discredit UFOs, sightings, and and that. Now... I did try to confirm that information, and I wasn't able to find that. But I did see there's videos of him out there doing a testify in front of like a, it wasn't really a mock, but it was a former congressman and former people all gathering in a hotel lobby somewhere uh-huh. and talking about stuff. It was really so <laughs> super so official. Let me guess, so, three guys sitting around <laughs> recording themselves talking. Right. <laughs> How many drinks had they had? Yeah. yeah. So take it for what it's worth. They had a but, foggy geezer. Right. <laughs> So in early 1950s, there were two UFOs seen off the coast of St. John's, Newfoundland. Now, I have some questions about this one, so I'm going to punch some holes in it. About Newfoundland? (laughs) Newfoundland, yes. So there was these two UFOs seen off of Newfoundland, and his superiors ordered him to go take a look at this situation. And he got there, and basically there were two UFOs underwater off this wharf and people were like even when he got there people were standing around looking at it and there's two giant discs down there and he said he could sit there the water was clear his story here is he could see these ufos he could see little gray beings what they call them doing work on it and at one point one of the ufos leaves the water at about 100 miles an hour and takes off comes back 20 minutes later comes back down goes back under they do some more repairs and both ships go up and leave like oh that's Pretty interesting. Going back to, you know, when we talked about people not wanting to lose their jobs, he said, just like anything, I didn't want to, uh, I, of course, classified it as you can't tell what it is because he wasn't going to say what it was, but he was for sure it was a UFO many years later. My questions are, though, like I wasn't able to find any other witness statements on it. If obviously he's somewhere and this, if it's happened in Newfoundland, he had, there's time to travel there. Certainly, they could have sent divers down and taken photographs. It's not like that technology wasn't available at that point in the 1950s. There's no photograph stuff, no divers, wherever else. I have a lot of questions about it, but I thought it was an interesting because this guy did have all these kind of credentials behind him, and obviously, lieutenant colonel in the military here doing this kind of stuff, and his job was supposedly to do this. And he's saying, yeah, he saw him clear as day doing this thing. But again... He doesn't have any photos, or unless they're just not released. Maybe it's one of those things where he They've did have photos. Confiscated. And, and it's and it's, it's not declassified yet. Declassified, yeah, exactly. I guess if you take out the conspiracy part of that, there there's two things that I find interesting about that story. The first is that we don't really have any very good means of, at least that I'm aware of, transportation between different mediums. Like for an object to go from air to water 
or from land to water or mm-hmm. water to land or whatever, we don't have vehicles that are capable of doing that so quickly and so efficiently as right. is described in this incident, and yeah. especially like in the 1950s. Right. That's so that's point. interesting to me. And then the other interesting piece, and I, this is just a thought that I've come across a couple times and I've just seen some people make some comments about, but if, if aliens were here already and were checking on us or checking out our world, one of the best places for them to be is in the oceans. Like mm-hmm. it, it's one of the least discovered places right. in our world. We know more about space than we do the deep oceans. Yeah. yeah. So maybe I'm not saying that there's like a, a huge hmm. civilization of them under there, but maybe that's a place where they could hide out or, or just kind of be like a home base. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah, I hadn't even thought about that. That's cool. Yeah, definitely some of the reports that people have about ships going into the water, like at the speed and the rate of descent that they're hitting that water, like to your point, Len, like aircraft that we have would just explode. (laughs) It would disintegrate type of thing. Um, So, yeah, I, I can't explain that. Yeah. You are forgetting, though, that we have James Bond's Lotus that does go from car to submarine. That's true. And the aliens may be aware of that technology. Right. (laughs) But aside from that, we don't know. You heard it here, folks. (laughs) James Bond is an alien. Right. (laughs) Uh, But I don't know. There's I had a great thought and I lost it. But no, I just wonder, uh, have you ever seen anything do that? Like, go dive into the water? and No. No, if anything, it's like a gradual, like if it's a tank or something that's been built to be a submarine, it's like a very slow, drawn-out process to like Even go into Even duck boats wa- can't yeah. go in fast. Right. right. And they're right. made for both. Or hovercrafts yeah. don't go from one to the other quickly either. Right. And they're just floating on air. Yeah, that's a really good point. I hadn't even thought about that when I was reading, because I'm like, yeah, this sounds like bullshit. But you're right. Maybe that is. And... Honestly, like I said, I was a little bit discouraged by it because I'm looking for any other, other kind of witness collaboration or whatever else. And maybe you're, maybe it was such a – it's not declassified and the, and the people were given money to say, don't talk about this. Who knows? I definitely think there's a lot of that going on back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, by the way, I did discover that from 1947 to 1969, there were 12,618 sightings reported to Project Blue Book. And of those, 701 remain unidentified. Huh. Interesting. Right? So, I mean, it's it's a relatively small percentage. I mean, don't get me, it's a lot, but it's still like... A handful a year, though, at least. Yeah, I I mean, they, I don't know, I'm going to call it dismissed. They dismissed most of them, you know? Right. Or at least they'd be able to prove something that wasn't that. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Um, So, uh, this is actually a fairly famous... UFO encounter. This is the Tic Tac UFO encounter. Just to describe a little bit of what happened in November 2004, there was a cruiser, a missile cruiser, that started detecting some intermittent weird radar on their system. And they noticed that there were groups of five to 10 different radar traces that were traveling south from where their location was. And what was so interesting about it is that they were traveling at 28,000 feet above sea level, but they were going so slowly. They were going at about 100 knots, which is about 120 miles per hour. And at that altitude, that was just a really unique, weird thing to see. Yeah. So they monitored this. 
And then after a few days of this continuing to happen, they had sailors on board that would... Was this one off of San Diego? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And so they had sailors on board that would observe through the ship's magnified binoculars and would see these little objects moving erratically. But after a few days of this, they decided that they were going to have a pilot fly over there and see what was going on. So the pilot is David Fravor, and he's talked about this a ton and done a bunch of interviews and things like that about this incident. But he took a crew of four members, and they went to investigate this unidentified flying object off the coast of San Diego. The incident was later coined the Tic Tac UFO incident. The weather conditions for the day that they went were excellent visibility, no clouds, very calm sea. And as they got closer to the object, they noticed that it was shaped like a large white tic tac. They said about 30, 30 to 46 feet long, no windshield, no porthole, no wings, no visible engine or exhaust or anything like that. And so Fravor approached this from above and began like a circular descent around the object. Mm -hmm. And as he did this, he noticed that the object began ascending along an opposite curved path from him and maintaining its kind of opposite trajectory. Interesting. So then Fravor made an aggressive move and plunged his fighter right below where the object was. And at that point, this Tic Tac UFO accelerated and disappeared in less than two seconds. Wow. Holy shit. Within a few seconds, it was reported 60 miles away by a ship. And they did some calculations and figured out that it would have had to move at greater than 2,400 miles per hour in order to get to that location within a few seconds. How many kilometers per hour is that? (laughs) (laughs) 3,900. Thank you. (laughs) Yes. So jets have a maximum speed of about 1,190 miles per hour. Mm -hmm. So this is well over that, almost double that. More than double that, actually. And to get there within seconds, it would have required an airspeed of at least 42,000 miles per hour. Jeez, wow. So this pilot has gone on and talked about this and been on podcasts and shows and all kinds of things. And he does not want to appear to be a conspiracy theorist or talk about aliens, but he truly believes that this is something that is not from Earth. And he is a longtime skeptic of UFOs and but at the same time believes that this technology is just far beyond any technology that he knows of or that we have. Yeah. So interesting. That story is pretty incredible to me. Yeah. Yeah. That, by the way, that was what I was trying to remember the name. I'm like, yeah, they're calling it something. Tic Tac. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wonder if it was a mint Tic Tac or an orange Tic Tac. Oh, well, they orange. said a white. It was oh, white so Tic Tac. minty Tic Tac. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Was that spearmint? What, what flavor is that? <laughs> Some kind of mint. Yeah. Winter mint. <laughs> Dude, I dare you to go lick the spacecraft. <laughs> <laughs> Mmm, <laughs> minty. Awesome. Um, Len, you were telling me that, I don't know what it was, in, in Zimbabwe? Oh, yeah, that's my last story. Oh, that's the one I'm waiting for. This dude. is that, a good one. That's this, the one that's most interesting. This is the one that, for me, like seals the deal for me. That the, the, I can't find any holes to poke in this. Okay. All right, so this takes place in 1994 in rural Zimbabwe, and there was a school out there. And it's like a middle school type age students. So the kids are from like age five to 12. Okay. And there are about 60 of these students in the school. 
And there's one day in the middle of their school year where the kids all go outside to play for recess and then for whatever, 20 or 30 minutes. And during that time, the teachers stay inside and they meet and they plan and things like that. So while the kids were outside, there was allegedly like a bright flash in the sky. And the children looked up and saw that there were three or four silvery disc-like objects that were approaching. And they would vanish and reappear, but they seemed to be uh, getting closer. At one point, one of them landed near the students. And so the students went over to it. Some of them were curious. Some of them were obviously scared and didn't pursue that. But Did you say what kind of size? Like, is there any kind of scale? Was it giant or just as, huge? <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. This summary doesn't have that description in it, but they do say that it was like it was beautiful, circular shaped, and that it had tails of light that were in a variety of different colors. It moved slowly as it was just hovering, but that it was absolutely silent. Mm-hmm. Many kids reported later that it was there was no noise coming from it. It was absolutely silent. Okay. So then they ended up one of these one of these flying discs ended up landing, and it was about a hundred yards away. So the students went over, and there was a fence. So they got as close as they could to it. The craft seemed to open, and two strange beings came out, and they were later described as very thin, with a slender neck and very large, almond-shaped, slanting eyes, and they were dressed in like real tight-fitting, shiny black and silver one-piece suits. That's that's what I wear. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I'm wearing right you now. Might be an alien. <laughs> So these two beings silently approached the children. And some of the children would later report that they were telepathically communicated with. Mm-hmm. And the children would say that they, these beings were very curious. And they were trying to mimic the students. And then all of a sudden they were right in front of them, almost like they had hovered right over to them. And the children were all frozen. And so... It, for many like of in them, fear or like they were mesmerized held. or held. Yeah, that's unknown. Ooh, that'd um, be freaky. For many of them, they started having telepathic images flashing through their minds, mm-hmm. and these beings were like communicating to them. Interesting. And some of the messages were things like, "You need to be careful with technology in this world, and you're going to kill yourself with the things that you guys are producing technolo- technologically." And these were some mm. of the messages that the students had. Then at some point, they just vanished into thin air, and the craft rose up and left. And at that point, the children realized what had happened, went running back to the school. They were upset. They couldn't really explain it, and they reported to the teachers. So eventually, over the next few days, they had some experts come out, and they did like meticulous interviewing of all of these 60 students. And they had them draw pictures and just report what they had seen or whatever. And amazingly from these 60 kids who are between five years old and 12 years old, there's a very consistent view and picture of what had happened. And it's very consistent across all of them. The pictures all look similar. The kids all reported a very similar type of story. And one of the most interesting things about this is that being located in rural Zimbabwe, none of those kids would have ever had any kind of information or knowledge about this type right. of contact exposure to the media no exposure in any like way have, yeah. to something like this there's no way to get 60 kids to have that consistent of a story over time right. and all report out I'm sorry remind me again what was the message or the theme of what they were telling these kids it had to deal technology with the technology that we're creating and that we need to be very careful with that yeah 
Which I do have the question, and like, it seems like maybe the aliens didn't do their research very well. Hundred <laughs> you know, you know? percent, like, huh? They're like, I mean, you're here. Why? <laughs> like, let me tell you where you should go. <laughs> right. <laughs> Probably I, could have probably could have spent a little more time on googling it before they came it came yeah. down and decided to talk to them. Any, but any kid in America, you should go talk to them. <laughs> well, as an educator, you obviously work with kids a lot, and like you said, it's getting sixty kids like that to have a consistent story is it's impossible, right? Especially if it's made up. Well, yeah. if it's it, made up and it has not changed over time. Because was wasn't there strength. a time between the event and when they actually talked to the kids? It wasn't like they talked to them and interviewed them all immediately, right? I think there was a. I think there was a day, like the next day. I think they had them draw pictures. Right. And that's what I'm saying. Up. Even 10 hours is enough time for kids to skew their story and start, you know, reporting. Let imagination different. run rampant, whatever else. And they start thinking about it more, whatever else. Yeah. Like, uh, interesting. Yeah. So, yeah, that's the one that, that makes me think, like, I, I don't know how you could orchestrate that with 60 kids and, and, and especially younger kids. Yeah. Who I think have a propensity to mostly tell the truth when prompted or to be able to, you know, adults can usually tell when they're lying about something, especially when they're right. being and get it out of them at some point. Like, yeah. okay, come on, this is not funny anymore. Yeah. The one, the last one I had actually real quick, and I know we have a little bit of time here still, but um, is the Phoenix Lights. Have you guys heard of this one? Oh, yeah. I have not. Oh, so this was... You this, probably have, just you, didn't know that's what they're calling it or something. But. Yeah, this is the largest sighting in the U.S. or the biggest history. lights? Uh, yeah, it's <laughs> like it was reported by the most people at the same time. And basically over Phoenix, it was early 90s, I think, early 2000s. Let me see if I have that information here. Back in 97, thousands of people saw this between 7.30 and 10.30 on March 13th. But like over several days, they saw it again. And it's these, just these weird lights. And they would they looked like... Like almost like giant hovering triangle things that and people were saying they could see it clearly going over their house, like maybe a hundred yards above them, and there was no sound. And with Phoenix, there's a lot of mountains around people there. You can and people in the mountains could see fifteen, twenty of them here hanging out over the over over Phoenix. Yeah. The big thing is they were flying in like a big V formation. Yeah. And but so slow it wouldn't have been any aircraft. It, it was like just crawling, like mm-hmm. almost just moving in a few inches at a time. When, when was this? Do we have a 97, date? yeah. Okay. Yeah, but you, when you watch the video, and like you can hear people who are recording it, everyone's, oh, well, if it was a, if it was one large ship. Right. That, that was one of the theories, because it was such a, not perfect V-shape, but very uniform V-shape. Mm-hmm. But not all the lights are on consecutively at the same time yeah so at, at one point up and down eight and... of them are on or nine of them or whatever it was yeah but then yeah and then but then you see it's actually when they're fading out which is like the cool like they're just like one at a time just kind of disappearing yeah yeah and there's enough videos out there if you go to google or youtube you can see tons of videos out there and they all have the same look but they're diff- from different people, so it's mm-hmm. not like it's... You can't you, doctor that. Yeah, you can't. And it's very interesting, and I don't know, to me, that one's the most interesting because it's just like there's so many people who reported the exact same thing. And it wasn't just in Phoenix. It actually was through Arizona. They said... Uh, one thing I read was like at uh, at least 20%, I think, of, of Arizonans saw it at the same time. So 20% of the entire population of Arizona claimed they saw a UFO. Now, wow. I don't know enough about Nevada, and but yeah, it was from the state line to phoenix mm-hmm. whatever that means it was apparently like 300 miles of, of yeah. space so it's not like a, a small little area yeah now, you know they debunked this right no i did not huh? yeah they're they're flares I, I can't even make it up that's military training there were flares but 
I, That's what, I, I did see that the military said that, but you look at those videos and it's there's no smoke trails, there's nothing like that. And that's what you and I were talking about the other day. Like, I know what a flare looks like, and that doesn't yeah. look like one. Now, granted, it's been 20 and, years since I've been around a flare. But flares <laughs> don't move uh, like horizontally on the air either. They go in up and pattern. they go down. Yeah, yeah. And in a well, pattern. Only down for the most part. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Could it be a prototype of drones? It's possible. Well, you've seen what they're doing with drones now, like where they got all these air shows and displays. Like, I definitely really think you could cool. do that today. Like today, you, I would think, oh, that's a drone or multiple drones like that because they can paint pictures in the sky with drones now at this point. I don't know why I want a drone. I know. Anybody listening that wants to have us send test us out a drone. Some, some drones, we're available to test them out for you. Right. Uh, just, we'll do a whole just, episode on it. Yeah, we'll talk about it and, and test it. Just reach out to it. I'm still waiting for a bidet, by the way, too. I know. Yeah, we haven't gotten those bidets bidet. yet. Yeah. Sorry, I just wanted to remind people. I'm looking for a bidet. That's the water fountain you have set up now. <laughs> the water is always so warm. It's such an interesting topic. I think there's so much we could probably do even a whole other episode of this it's just a lot of fun to talk about ufos super fascinated by them all right so let's cut right to the chase aliens that was the decision yes aliens exist i think for sure they exist and i, I like to and think i don't mean in... bacteria on some other planet i yeah. mean legit humanoid type of thing yeah i say yes i say yes all right i'm i it's like me with ghosts like i want to believe it but I, I haven't i don't have enough proof i don't have enough evidence for myself to be clear, I do not want to be abducted. You know, so <laughs> any aliens that are listening, <laughs> yeah, right. When, <laughs> when you reach the, or when this reaches you, please do not come to abduct me. I'm not down for that. Yeah, but yeah. I just don't know. It's I. I'd like to believe. I want to believe. Yeah. I want to believe that. Yeah. Damn, I almost yeah. had it. Almost had it. Yeah, so close. Yeah. <laughs> what, how's the, we need the song? music. Yeah, we need the music. No, we can't do that. We have you ever wanna, been to Roswell? We don't want to pay for that. Have you guys ever been to Roswell? We, no. Oh, road sorry. trip. We did a road trip back in 2006 with my family, We and we cut through Roswell, and it's a lot of fun. They totally embraced the whole UFO encounter type of thing and whatever Exaggerate else. the hell out of it. They totally did. But it was a blast, and it was just a, a really good experience to go do some stuff like that. And I think it's if you get a chance to go to Roswell, check it out. It's fun. And yeah, so you were telling me you you had a family photo taken out there, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, we went to this one place and they had all these different things set up where you can actually pose. Like in each room has a different kind of scenario. Like one I'm barbecuing next to an alien, another one I'm doing we're hanging out in jail with an alien, that kind of stuff. It's just a lot of fun. So I'll post a couple of those up on the website as well for anyone who wants to see what, that. What was on the grill? What were they barbecuing? I forget now. Probably hot dogs, burgers. It's just that you kind really of stuff. Really, think an alien's just. Like, <laughs> Yeah, when in America, do it's, well, it's I, probably like a tablet. I don't think it was a historically and... accurate, right? <laughs> for the record, diorama, for right? The record. For the record, huh. <laughs> so it wasn't wasn't that what all the cartoons and everything? It was a little, yeah, a little pill. You put a drop of water, and all of a sudden, you got like a whole Thanksgiving feast, and right, yeah, man, we're so far away from cool stuff. Who was the alien on Flintstones? Was it a kazoo or a gazoo or something? Like, I don't yeah, know. something yeah. like that. Man, you're old. I don't even remember an alien being on Flintstones. So. <laughs> That's when they jumped the shark. Yeah, it totally was. Oh, there's an episode. Jumping the shark. Jumping the shark. Yeah. Uh, That's a Fonzie reference for those of you who are too young. Well, thank you, Len, for joining us on this episode. This is a lot of fun. I appreciate you you coming out here and hanging out with us and bringing some really cool stories. The Zimbabwe one is, I agree, that's a very interesting one. Thank you. No, this has been great, and hopefully you get enough downloads that I can come back sometime. I, you know what? <laughs> We'd love I, to have you back, actually. Yeah, we'll have you back. I've got some uh, future podcasts that have you in mind for. I think it would be good to have you join us. So, 
And let's give a shout out to the beer again. What was it? The Foggy, Foggy Geezer. Foggy by, Geezer. Uh, War Pigs. War Pigs. Three, Floyd, yeah. three Floyds and who? Mickler. 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 Is that the right way to pronounce it? Yeah. Very smooth. It is. Not it sure. is. Mick, Mickler, please contact us and, and let us know and send samples. <laughs> Man. Yeah. Let's get right into this. He is, <laughs> like, right. <laughs> send <got> us stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I also want to do a, a big shout out for everybody helping behind the scenes. Oh, wait, that's it's, us. That's us, yes. <laughs> well, great job, guys. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Can't You're welcome. <laughs> Can't do this without you. So, uh, yeah. So, What are we talking about next? What's oh, the next episode? You know what? The next one's going to be 